Welcome back to Lady Justice, Women of the Court. I'm Justice Beth Walker of the Supreme Court of Appeals of West Virginia, and I'm thrilled to be back with my friend, Arkansas Justice Rhonda Wood. We are recording in January, so can I still say Happy New Year, Rhonda? How are you? Good. It's good to see you, Beth. Um, yes, we can say Happy New Year, even though it's um, Jan- you know a little bit further into January. Um, I'm very excited to see you. Um, life is good here in Arkansas. Um, life is better for you. I'm very proud of you, uh, Beth, I have to say, for doing the dopey. Um, so our listen- if our listeners know that Justice Walker is now dopey, um because of doing the um massive um disney um and i won't get this right Beth. so you'll, you'll have to remember but you did the what is it like a 5k 10k 15k in the marathon yeah so i completed and i to the extent i wasn't dopey before i am now i did the dopey challenge down at walt disney world so on thursday i did a 5k friday not this thursday a few weeks ago yeah. a thursday 5k Friday, a 10K, Saturday, a half marathon, and Sunday, a marathon. So 48.6 miles in four days, a little physical fitness challenge. As our listeners know, I'm kind of a well-being aficionado, so it was uh, setting a challenge for myself and meeting it, and it was very rewarding, and I had a lot of folks cheering for me. So So, um, I sat in Arkansas on my couch with my phone in the very cold weather and just, you know, monitored you and your status on the phone, and so I just watched you. And I, but I was so proud of you, but, um, and then I thought maybe I should get out and do this. And I thought, no, I'll just, you know, live vicariously through Beth. So, but congratulations, Beth. Thank you so much. It was, uh, it was really a lot of fun. And those events are so positive. Uh, there were 20,000 people in each race. Um, so I was with a lot of people who were very inspiring to me. A lot of people raising money for good causes, a lot of people with challenges in their lives. So um, I enjoyed it very much. But today for our podcast, we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, Rhonda and I, of course, are in two different locations as we usually are, but I'm actually located in Nashville, Tennessee, in the same room as our special guest for today, who we're gonna introduce in just a moment. But I have to take a moment and say, we are in this amazing podcast studio that's been set up by the um, Administrative Office of the Tennessee Courts. So we must give a huge shout out and thanks to our friends in our new friends in Tennessee (laughs) for the technical support and hospitality uh, for this new uh, little adventure we're doing uh, for this episode. And this is just the first of what I think will be several new things about our podcast as we go forward, because of course we're maintaining our elite status as the top podcast on any platform hosted by sitting state Supreme Court justices. Okay, to be fair, we are the only <laughs> podcast co-hosted. You don't have to tell that. <laughs> by sitting state Supreme Court justices. But I'm still embracing our top status. We are at the top of the market, at the top of our game. So today we have two special guests. Justice Jeff Bivens of the Tennessee Supreme Court, uh, someone Rhonda and I have known for a while, and Anne Louise Worthland, who is Director of Access to Justice and Strategic Development for the Administrative Office of the Tennessee Courts. Ron and I are so excited that you two are here to talk about 
Uh, this is something we've wanted to talk about for a while, the Tennessee Justice Bus. And we'll invite first each of you to say hello and introduce yourselves to our audience. So Justice Bivens, tell us about yourself. It's so good to see you today. It's so good to be with you and Rhonda as well. As you said, we've known each other for a good while now. It's always good to see that. Uh, yes, my name is Jeff Bivens. I do live here in, in Tennessee in the Nashville area. I've been on the Supreme Court since 2014. I served a term as Chief Justice for about five years, and it's um, my pleasure now to serve as the liaison to the Access to Justice Commission in, in Tennessee. Yeah, so Jeff, um, it's been a pleasure to know you. I was gonna say, you've been active in a lot of things, and I think, I'm not sure if Beth first met you at when you guys were both chiefs, but I just, I think I, I first met you when you were involved with the Appellate Judge Education Institute and attending those meetings. I haven't seen you in a couple of years, so it's really nice to see you, even though it's virtually and I didn't get to be in Nashville with all of you, but it's great to see you and thank you for having time and thank you to Tennessee for being such gracious hosts for this. And then Anne Louisa, if you want to take a minute to introduce yourself. Sure. Um, good morning. I'm, I'm Ann Louise Worthlin. I'm an attorney and I've worked for the Administrative Office of the Court since 2008. Um, I joined there um, overseeing the mediation program and then shortly um, took over the Access to Justice program in 2010. Um, and since then, we've just continued to expand the program um, with the support of the court and our other partners. So you have been doing this for a while. Yes. Uh, you were, were do, you've been uh, Access to Justice for how long? When did you begin with that? 2010, you mm -hmm. said? Yes. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's great. So you're an, ex an expert. Um, <laughs> So welcome, a warm welcome to both of you to our podcast. We, um, as you know, love talking about state courts and what state courts do, um, because I know you two know this as well as we do, uh, where all the real interesting things happen are in state courts in this country. Most of the cases uh, that are filed in this country get handled in state courts. Um, so we love to highlight uh, what different states are doing. So that brings us to this very exciting project that we want to hear more about. And Rhonda, you took the lead on making this topic for our podcast. So why don't you kick off the interview? Okay. So one thing that, you know, Beth mentioned is that we do this podcast to, you know, sort of showcase state courts and the work they do because we think that state courts are underrated and we don't really understand the, why people pay attention to federal courts. <laughs> When state courts are the best. Um, and well, and that's where most people have their interaction or state courts. And we just try to showcase that. And then selfishly, Beth and I learn because when we're talking to other states, we learn um, some of the unique programs they're doing and we, we selfishly then steal them for our own. But we want to showcase the good work that other states are doing. And so I am, you know, try to be active on social media for the purpose of good, not evil, but to showcase um, state courts through that as well. And so I'm on Twitter. I think now so we Twitter. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm. I refuse we, to we call all, it anything. Else. We all know it as Twitter. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, formerly known as, you know, sort of like Prince, you know. But I'm gonna always call it that. Um, I refuse to recognize the the name change. <laughs> but anyway, I I was following um, always um, now retired Tennessee Justice Sharon Lee, and she posted pictures of the Tennessee Access to Justice bus. And sort of I just kept following it and seeing her and I thought that looks phenomenal and what a great idea and seeing the work that uh, was being done in Tennessee. And so I, of course, shared it with Beth 
and said, hey, we need to learn more about this and the work that Tennessee is doing in this area. And I just thought it was incredible. So I guess we'll start off with Jeff, if you want to tell us a little bit about the Tennessee bus. Sure, be happy to. This is a long-term project that uh, Anne Louise has, has spearheaded throughout a long time. It even goes back to our previous AOC director, uh, Debbie Tate, who I think both, both of you may well know. We had seen it from other states, but it was a vision to be able to bring access to justice more closely to particularly the rural areas in our state. And so the, the effort started, but of course the, the major issue was funding. Uh, but uh, after l looking long, hard, and, and uh, every, uh, under every area, we were able to get grant money to do this. We ended up purchasing uh, the vehicle, which is a 2021 Mercedes-Benz uh, 2500 series cargo van. It has a very high roof. Uh, we purchased that, did, conversion, did a conversion on that, did wrapping of it to where it has the, the access to justice sign and justice bus on it. And it's, just, it's been a delight and it's been so successful because we have been able now to, to go to those rural areas to use that because it, it is a mobile, it has a Wi-Fi access, it's set up to where you can meet with individuals on that. And as I think both of you know, oftentimes folks are not, are, are scared of the justice system. So it, this is a way to bring it to them, to work with our, our faith, uh, our folks of faith, that we have a faith group that, that is very helpful to us. Oftentimes we'll team up with that, we'll team up with lawyers from the rural area to do expungement clinics or wills clinics or something like that. So it's been a great tool to help us provide even more access to justice across the, across the state. Well, um, that it, that's an amazing story, and it's uh, to to go from it's been in operation for how long? A little over a year it's now. It's been about a year and a half, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, we'll make sure we have links in our show notes to uh, the web presence for the uh, the Justice Bus, and um, it's beautiful. I haven't seen it in person. I'm hoping to find it somewhere in Nashville and get a picture with it. We can probably uh, make that happen. That's all right. Um, but I, I have to ask, and I didn't tell you I was going to ask this question, but um, it's probably not the first time. I'm wondering why the bus isn't orange. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we wanted to be neutral. <laughs> so, so some, a lot of us are Tennessee fans. Uh, others are not. So we, we decided not to, not to go that route. Mm -hmm. we, 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 we might sing Rocky Top on it, though. <laughs> I will say, I'm going to just jump in that... Um, my brother lives, you know, um, in Oak Ridge, um, outside Tennessee and their Tennessee fans are crazy t for Tennessee. I mean, I've never seen a fan store as big as the one in Knoxville. I mean, it's like bigger, it's bigger than our Arkansas Walmart stores. I mean, it's, like, it's like crazy stuff. So yeah, that's a good question, Beth. <laughs> well, we, I can, I can understand that the need to be neutral when you're providing statewide access right. to folks um, all across your state. And as you were thinking about the idea, was anyone opposed to it, or was it just a matter of finding the the appropriate funding? You know, that's probably Annalise can probably answer that, but I don't think we ever had any opposition to it. It was just simply uh, the funding was the big issue. Yes, funding was a big issue, and then I think it was difficult for people to visualize. Um, so we did a lot of, as Justice Bivens says, we are not the first state to have that. So we um, came armed with pictures and videos from some of our other states to just give people 
it, it's something that they could see. And then once they got the vision, um, we had a lot of supporters, but funding was the main obstacle. Okay, Anne Louise, now that the Justice Bus has become a reality, um, tell us more about how it actually works. Sure. Um, well, it truly is a mobile legal office. Um, we did, as Justice Bivens said, we got the biggest option we could of a Mercedes Sprinter van. Um, and so when you open the side door, there's a desk and there's two laptops that we put out there. We have a printer that we put out there. We've got drawers with all your standard office supplies. And we also have a separate office in the back with a closing door. So you could technically have um, two attorneys meeting with people who have confidential uh, meetings. We've also been able to have one attorney helping folks in the bigger office space and then sending a client in that back office and they would connect with an attorney remotely over Zoom. So you can um, have some of your more urban areas support the rural areas in that way. Who decides sure. where the bus goes? Sure. Is that what you do? Um, well, I, I do, and then we also have a pro bono attorney coordinator that oversees a lot of our pro bono efforts. Um, and um, that person also uh, partners as, as head of our faith-based partnership. So as Justice Biven said, those are where a lot of our requests come from. We also get a lot of requests from public librarians because that is a place where people go, especially in the rural areas, to get help. So we have a lot of librarians who request the bus to come out and um, have a, um, you know just a general civil legal clinic. They might want a more focused clinic on wills or something like that. And we do also do a lot of uh, reentry and second chance um, expungement work as well. In our rural areas, we have a lot of folks that, that don't have access to the internet, that they don't have access to Wi-Fi or anything of that nature. So our ability to bring the, the justice bus in and have that handy and have that right on, on site is a big deal and it's really enabled us to to broaden our spectrum and, and to address those issues that became I mean they, they were there before COVID but they became very uh, noticeable during COVID so we think this is a great way of reaching out to those folks. I will say Beth you know I was thinking about this and totally going off a little bit topic but being female justices there's not always that many and so it means our spouses become really good friends um, because we end up at all these conferences. So, um, you know, Mr. Walker, Mr. Wood um, are very good friends and they they are very interested in this like Mercedes, like van RV thing. <laughs> and so I was thinking that um, Beth, this may be the, the only way that this like actually comes to fruition. You know, Beth's been wanting something, and so this may get Mr. Walker there. Is that you know it's for good? What do you think, Beth? <laughs> well, I'm I'm seeing you know uh, Anne Louise talked about uh, being inspired by other states mm -hmm. who have done this. I think Kentucky has yes, yeah. a bus. I'm told. So maybe we could just steal this bus idea and have the Lady Justice bus. Yeah. And <laughs> um, take it to the rural areas of West Virginia and Arkansas because Jeff, that's such. <laughs> a good point um just about i think i think the pandemic did sort of expose mm -hmm. this you know we all thought well we'll just do hearings remotely but then it it becomes something worse mm -hmm. even the lawyers in some of our yes. counties don't have stable enough internet to appear at hearings um and if lawyers can't figure it out um, then you can imagine folks who are self-represented or find themselves in the legal system or needing the help of the legal system without any kind of internet or any kind of technical um, capabilities. So I think um, 
Uh, yeah, I think we could we could do this for good and for fun, Rhonda. Um, I'm already I'm already <laughs> putting it together in my mind. So. Yeah. So I have a I have a question. I don't know whether uh, which one of you wants to answer, but have you utilized it? I know that you know with access to justice, a lot of times you're giving you know advice and doing things. Have they actually filed actually filed paperwork? You know, we file electronically in Arkansas, but have you had it where individuals come in and when you're consulting them that you've actually gone online and filed paperwork from the bus? We have not done that yet, um, but part of the reason is because myself and the other attorney that staffs it, we are just limited in the types of representation that we can provide. Now, um, if we were in a county that has e-filing and we had volunteer attorneys, that could do a little bit more than we are able to do. We could do that, but that is not something we've been able to do yet. Um, but we don't have e-filing across our state yet. So, um, but once we that becomes more uniform, I think we will explore that. But again, I, myself and my colleague Kyle, we just aren't able to file paperwork for for folks. We're able to give advice and counsel, but in a limited context. Yeah, we, we're in the process of trying to take e-filing statewide. We're we kind of are behind in that area. We have some counties that can do it on a county by county basis, depending on the, the court. But as Ann Louise said, it's it's not uniform and it's not there. So we, we are not able to do that electronically yet. We can get we can do the paperwork and the paperwork can then be taken and filed. But we are looking forward to the day when we'll, we will be able to do that. And I think Rhonda raises a great point that that would be so much mm -hmm. better and easier. But we're in the process. We have support from the administration as far as uh, and, and some dedicated funds toward the e-filing system. It's just a question of getting everybody together. And in Tennessee, we're not a unified court system. <laughs> so uh, we uh, are still in the process of going through that. Well, that was good. That was actually going to be my question. Uh -huh. You anticipated it really well, uh -huh. because we've talked about that on the podcast many, many times about how different states, uh -huh. we love actually talking about how, how different states, constitutions, and laws are set up entirely differently in the court systems. For example, in West Virginia, we are a unified court system. All 1,500 mm -hmm. folks who work for the courts in West Virginia work for the Supreme Court. Explain for our audience as a quick review um, how the Tennessee courts are set up and not unified. Yeah, the Tennessee courts are not, for, for example, we have county judges that are often our general sessions judges, which is the small claims, and, and we'll do preliminary hearings in, in criminal cases. We have municipal judges that do that. All of our trial judges uh, are elected in those positions. And we, we as the Supreme Court don't really have authority over those. And we also have the clerks who are elected officials through that process. So uh, we can cajole and, and uh, try to influence what they do, but, but they are definitely independent thinkers in many ways. And we don't have a way of actually mandating that to happen. Uh, that's just something that our Constitution has not provided. At one point, there was an amendment attempted to, to, do, to, to provide that many, many years ago, but that amendment actually failed. So the, there are some very strong interests involved in that. So uh, we are in, that's part of the challenge we're, we're seeing uh, in statewide e-filing is to make sure we get those, those folks on board. But I mean, for the most part, we have support and it, it's speaking with one voice but there are, are other t other times when it's a very it's a very difficult situation when we don't have the authority to do that 
Um, well, it seems like uh, maybe the justice bus can be a, a, a unifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, very much so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can uh, be. It can be. Well, and we are. Are you all e-filing in uh, Arkansas, Rhonda? I can't recall. We are. Um, we are now. I think every county now is on e-filing. I think we had like three that were left holdouts, and I think now we have everybody up. We're at 53 out of 55 counties going into this year, and it has been, and of course, you saved the last, the two largest counties <laughs> of course. for the last ones, and those are going to be quite projects of the, our Capital County, Kanawha County, uh, and our uh, West Virginia University County, Mon County, I think, are the last two, so we'll see how it goes. Um, Good luck with that. Yeah, but more about the Justice Bus. Another question I had, and Rhonda, you probably have more questions, too is you know this is the tennessee supreme court you know operating this as an access to justice initiative um, how do you navigate the ethical and i think you made a reference to it a couple minutes ago mm -hmm. you know you're advising you're helping people get mm -hmm. information but mm -hmm. you're not representing them Correct. so how does that how do you walk that line well we um my colleague and I, the attorneys with the AOC that are operating the bus, we follow the same guidelines that our law clerks would follow. So we're allowed to do pro bono work as long as we don't appear in court, um, as long as we don't have a known conflict, and then as long as there is malpractice insurance. And we have been lucky to partner with a, an umbrella organization for all the legal aids in Tennessee called the Tennessee Alliance for Legal Services. And they allow us to use their malpractice policy for our clinics and for our um, our events. And so that is what enables my colleague and I for us to provide advice. And we can provide, again, this brief advice and counsel. We have a, a form that we walk through clients with so they can see what we're, you know, what we can do and what we can't do. Um, and if it's going to be something more than that, more representation is needed, and that's oftentimes the case, we um, will refer to our local partners, whether it's legal aid or some of the other volunteer attorneys we've been able to recruit, and we are able to um, smoothly pass those folks off to them to help with that you know, more advice and counsel that just we can't do. And, and that's a part of the reason it's so important to have volunteer attorneys mm -hmm. in those particular, in each of the areas that we go into, too. And we're, we're very blessed that we, in, most of those we have folks that are very happy to volunteer and do that mm -hmm. they're happy to provide the, the pro bono service that's necessary but they are a vital component of what we do as well definitely has it um, gotten more lawyers interested in um, serving in that capacity just seeing the bus around the state I would think so yes um, we have created a online form for attorneys to volunteer um, and if we know we're heading out into a particular area, we'll reach out to, if there's an organized bar association, reach out to them, reach out to the legal aid office to see if they will um, pass on opportunities for their volunteers. But yes, um, I think attorneys like the flexibility that the bus provides and just sort of the, the novelty of it a little bit. And then also too, you know, you're not in your office, you're out in the community um, and you're able to just have different types of interaction with different types of clients. One of the things we've tried to do too is take the bus to conferences, you know, mm -hmm. judges' conferences and mm -hmm. things like that, so people can literally see it and understand because so many people don't really mm -hmm. know what we're talking. When we say a justice bus, it's like, say what? <laughs> so it, being able to see it and walk inside it and doing that, I think, helps educate people mm -hmm. and it educates their local judges, our trial judges, and all to know that this is an, an, an asset that's out there. 
and they then go back and talk to their local attorneys and can encourage them to, to be a part of this as well. I, I'm really curious, um, and I think listeners would would be interested in um, if you have maybe Anne Louise a particular story, an example, sort of personalized. I know you can't, you know, identify anybody you help necessarily, but sort of some couple, you know, examples of sort of what you've done and you know stories that you've helped that maybe are particularly meaningful and impactful to you. I'll start with um, how we partner with some of our expungement clinics. A lot of those clinics, depending on who we're, uh, the local partners are, they'll have a pre-registration component so they can pull court records and, and have all that there. But we also have a lot of overflow for people who, uh, you know, whether it was cut off, they missed the deadline, or someone said, hey, you've got to come out. I saw this justice bus on the news, and you need to go and see that. So we are able to help people who perhaps miss the opportunity to participate in that event because of a cutoff deadline or registration limit. And a lot, luckily, um, a lot of our records um, are online, um, so we are, can look those up. And if somebody has a dismissal or something that wasn't prosecuted, we can fill out all the expungement work. Um, that's how, how it works in Tennessee. We can help them fill out all those forms. And so then all that they would need to do is just take that to the clerk's office and, and file that. And we give them instructions, a little handout on what next steps are. And so somebody who, you know, uh, just missed that event, was able to get their record clean because we were able to spend about 20 minutes with them walking through what we could get come off that doesn't require a court appearance, doesn't require us to, you know, do any other work other than some very simple paperwork for a lawyer. What kind of offenses have you seen, again, not naming names, but um, folks being able to get removed from the record? Oh, what gosh. What's common? Um, a lot of... Um, I would say misdemeanor things. Um, if you look at the, you know, the person you're helping and then look at how long ago a lot of that, I mean, you know, you're helping folks who made mistakes when they were very young adults, um, which a lot of us made mistakes when we were very young adults. And, um, and it really is, you know, giving them a second chance. Um, if, it, if it was not prosecuted in Tennessee, a lot of things can come off. Um, the conviction expungements I'm not going to go into because that is outside of our wheelhouse a bit. But, um, I mean, it really runs the gamut. But, I mean, you could take someone who, if you were to print their record off, like it could be seven, eight pages, and you can clean it up to um, you know, two or three pages, which still is a record, but it's a, a very it's a much more manageable I guess and you just see this sort of sigh of relief that come over people when you're able to tell them you know we're able to get I mean I think the we've the most I want to say it's for one person for again non-convictions I think we had 25 charges we were able to remove from their record and that's a lot that is a lot and I, and I think it's it's so important because that helps them become employable mm -hmm. at that point too you know we see a lot we'll see a lot of minor drug offenses mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, that happen on that, that that may be really old mm -hmm. uh, and getting those off the record makes a big deal yeah. it's a big deal you know one of the things that we're seeing in Arkansas is we're having a lot of veterans that need help with legal aid and um, issues um, and that's when I see the justice bus that's what I sort of think of is how to sort of do outreach to that community yeah. You had that happen where you've seen the need in the in veterans with your as you've traveled with the bus. Um, I can't recall a specific time when there, there was a. I would say we've helped a lot of veterans, um, and I think it depends on it, 
who has what local partner has brought us out mm -hmm. um, that organization has an impact on just the, the types of folks that do come out um, and we do have some really great veterans courts and, and veterans treatment and and things of that nature so I think that is a, an opportunity that I, I think definitely we could explore more um, but again a, a lot of times the types of clients are um, dictated somewhat by which local partner has asked us to come out. Jeff, I know you you don't travel on the bus, I guess, right, as, right. A, as a Supreme Court yeah. Justice, um, um, but what, um, has, what's been memorable about it for you in terms of, I know you've been, you know, you supported it, you watched it come, come to fruition, um, you know, is it pretty much what you expected? It is what I, I think it is what I expected because but partly because I knew what we were we were trying to do and I had seen the other states. But I think what's been inspiring to me is when we do take it to these conferences and you see these other judges and other folks that come out and look at it, it's like, Oh wow, <laughs> that's what you're talking about. Yes, it is. And and this and to be be able to take that into areas where folks aren't represented and and knowing that without the ability to do that these folks are not going to get the service mm -hmm. they need so th that that really is an inspiring aspect of, of what we've been able to do with it and i and i hope that we will continue to do it i mean we had what 35 events last year mm -hmm. uh and we've got 28 uh covered 28 counties out of the, our 95 counties and we've already got 14 events planned for this year so, uh, and that's just at the, the, obviously right. at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're really uh, thankful to do that. We're actually in the process of trying to get another position to, to so that they will have a full-time coordinator for the justice bus itself. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask, because it sounds like with that um, busy a schedule that this is, could be a full-time job it for some of us. It could very well be, yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that was gonna be my question is what sort of, if you do, you, you know, either of you or as a whole, do you have any future goals? Like, you know, if you had the money, how would you sort of expand this program? And I think this was, uh, this idea has come up between a few people, but I think our, our state is long, if you're not familiar with Tennessee, yeah. but it would be great to have one in each grand division um, because it takes a, over six hours to traverse one you know, the east to the west. And so we are limited by just the geography. And so if we could have uh, one in each grand division, we could help a lot more. We could have more frequent events and we could have some type of pattern where people could come and, you know, know the third Thursday, the justice bus is gonna be at the public library or things like that, but we're just not able to do that quite yet with just one in such a large state in, in 95 counties. Yeah, pe people don't realize the, the width of, of Tennessee. <laughs> I, I know, Beth, you have a home up just across the state line uh, as well, and I grew up in the very northeast corner of the state. And, and the, the way I usually try to use as an example of when you're in the, in the very northeast corner of the state, you're closer to Canada than you are to Memphis. So that, that kind of <laughs> gives you an idea of the, the, uh, the areas we have to cover when we're going from one end of the state to the other. Well, and you use the term that I'll have you all flesh out a little bit. We'll go on a little educational tangent um, to explain what the grand divisions are in Tennessee <laughs> and how um, I know that that's 
Uh, is that how you are? Are you elected statewide? We, we are elected statewide, but but our constitution does have provisions regarding the grand divisions in, in the constitution. If you want me to elect, yeah, we, I would love yeah, to. Yeah, we actually, it's Tennessee is unique in that situation. It, we rec it's recognized all the way back to our constitutional times where we have essentially had three grand divisions. We have an east, middle, and west grand division. Our constitution addresses that from a judicial branch capacity in two different ways. Number one is we're required as the Supreme Court to sit in each grand division to hear cases uh, from uh, time to time. So we actually have a courthouse in Knoxville for the East, uh, for East Tennessee, Nashville for Middle Tennessee, and Jackson for West Tennessee. So we hear cases in, in, in all three of those locations. The other way the Constitution addresses this is the composition of the court itself. We're a five-member court, like I know you are, uh, Beth, but the Constitution provides that no more than two justices can be from any grand division. So the effect of that is obviously you, you're going to have one from each grand division, and two of the grand divisions will have two, but you cannot have more than two of the, of the five justices coming from any grand division of the state. So for example, currently we have one justice from uh, East Tennessee, we have two from Middle and two from the West. Well, we, we do love, um, and, and Ron is nodding because we do love geeking out on, um, <laughs> right. uh, on state constitutions. Um, did you know about the grand divisions, Ron? Yes, I knew they sat in, um, in, the, in the different divisions, and um, it's always fascinated me. And I've never really understood, though, how this, you can only have two, so how you, that works when you run for office how if someone wants to run they have to wait till someone from or you just have to move well, well it's, <laughs> that, it, it gets, that's been the only quirky thing i don't understand how it does get complicated from time to time we actually even though there is a residency requirement regarding the grand division we we run in retention elections statewide it's a statewide right. election when we do that but for for example one of our just our current justices will is retiring as of the end of august he lives in West Tennessee. Well, that, that means that someone from West Tennessee could, could take that position, or because we only have one justice currently from East Tennessee, it could come from East. So the person to fill that position could come from East or West. What it couldn't do is come from Middle because there are two of us in Middle who are not retiring right now. So it totally depends on where the vacancy is and, and what the current composition of the court is. We're, we're appointed initially, so you can look at that and, and determine, and the, the, uh, the call when it's, uh, when it's sent out specifies where the individuals may come from. And I probably should have um, put a finer point on that when I started, because you are, um, like many other states, kind of a hybrid of, um, peer, of elections on one hand and appointments on the other hand, where you mix uh, first starting out being appointed and then having to run statewide in a retention election. Correct. And in, it also changed in uh, 2016 as well because adoption of an amendment to the state constitution. Previously to that, it was just appointment by the governor and then stand for retention elections. There, there was some uh, dispute as to whether retention elections, quote unquote, were elections which were uh, required under the constitution. So as a compromise for that, there was an amendment adopted and the people actually adopted it as well that provides that you'd still have gubernatorial appointment, but then there's also legislative confirmation. 
of that of that position. So I was one of the last ones who didn't have to go through legislative confirmation. Justice Roger Page was our first one, who's the person retiring, but he was the first one that actually had to go through legislative confirmation. And, and the way the amendment works, you go through that, and then you face retention elections after that. So anyone who's appointed either to our intermediate appellate courts, and we have a court of appeals and a court of criminal appeals, so civil side, civil and criminal side, either one of those courts or the Supreme Court, you have to go through legislative confirmation. Okay, Rhonda, I took us totally off script with that, <laughs> because I, but I knew you would approve. Do you have uh, any follow-up questions for all of that? No, I, but I'm so glad that we did, because I, I was hopeful that we were, because we always try to learn about other states, and, and we want listeners to learn that that's you know, part of federalism is that states get to do things their own way and it's up to that state to set, you know, the policy and the how their state's going to work. So we like to educate on different states. So um, I'm glad that, you know, Jeff was ever able to do that. And so, no, it's great. So anything uh, before we, we shift over to our little closing segment, um, Anne Louise, anything else you want to tell us about? Where, where's the next, do you know where the next stop for the Justice Plus is? Um, we only have, we're, we're hanging out in Middle Tennessee, um, which is where Nashville is, in, uh, through February because uh, we are not equipped for uh, ice or things of that nature. The Justice Plus does yes. not have chains. No. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, uh, so we are in Middle Tennessee, uh, again, through February, um, and then April is a big month for us, Access to Justice-wise. We call it Help for TN Month, and we'll have at least at least eight events and it really traverses the state so just gearing up for April but we have um, a calendar online which I know you'll put in the notes and we also have a very strong social media presence so please follow us and uh, check out where we're going and um, how we're able to help people well we will continue uh, to follow the justice mm -hmm. bus um, and oh one last question going to the point Rhonda made earlier about mr. Walker and mr. Wood is there a refrigerator on the justice bus <laughs> We did not put a refrigerator on the Justice Bus, but um, we could. We have a lovely outfitter that we worked with and that we continue to work with. They, they, they do all the buses for all the big country stars, so they can do anything. Yeah. That, that, is, uh, that is good to know, and we will plan um, accordingly. But as I said, now it is time for our lightning round. Um, this is the part of the podcast when we give answers to questions that uh, may or may not, and usually don't, have anything to do with our topic uh, for today. Um, Jeff and Ann Louise, we hope you are willing to play along. Sure. Uh, we won't make you go first. So we'll, um, I'll ask the questions, and then we'll answer them in this order. Rhonda first, then Jeff, then Ann Louise, and then me. So it's relatively quick answers. You're allowed to explain them if they need explanation, but usually just a, a short answer. And I'll start with you, Rhonda, with what is the most used app on your phone? Probably, I would say either the message app or the notes app, because I'm constantly putting notes or checking my messages. How about you, Jeff? Notes would definitely be one of the most used, and uh, GPS, Waze, is probably the, the other one because traffic is so bad in the Nashville area, we turn it on regardless of where we're going. Yep. Uh, I would agree, Waze, and then um, any type of Remind app. I've got young kids, 8 and 10-year-olds, so keeping track of them and teachers' Remind app, yeah. Nice. Well, mine is mine is probably uh, messaging uh, as well, although I do use my Garmin app when I walk in the morning, so that's a, a regular feature as well. Now we'll get into more maybe controversial territory. <laughs> I don't know. 
Uh, question two is, who is your favorite country music artist, past or present? Rhonda. Okay, so I don't listen to country music. <laughs> but I will tell you that my husband had me go to a Garth Brooks concert recently, and I really enjoyed it. I don't know if I, I enjoyed him as much as I enjoyed the audience that knew every word <laughs> to every song and the experience was so great and I felt a little dumb because I didn't know a lot of them but so I guess I'd have to go to that because I think I don't know if that's the only country music artist I've ever gone to but he puts on a good show. Well thank goodness because we're in Nashville that you had an answer. <laughs> um... I know. So Jeff what about you? You know I, I have to go back to Dolly Parton. Yeah. She has been such uh, such an icon here in Tennessee you know uh, and she is such a community servant as well that n not only for her, her her songs but for everything she does and you know, her literacy program and all that i just we really respect her for what she's done and, and, and what's that so she's she's really a, a, a great person Dolly, of yeah, course, yeah. Um, but I've been listening uh, lately to an artist called Sturgill Simpson. He's based in Kentucky, and um, he's country, but he has a lot of experimental music as well. So if you're not super into country, I would encourage you to check that out. Um, so um, consistent with everything here, I was going to say Dolly as well, <laughs> because how can you not? Yeah. So I'll, I'll go, I went off on a little tangent and learned a lot more about the early recording artists, um, since I do spend some time in Bristol, in, in the mm -hmm. Bristol area, the Bristol sessions, and learning about where things kicked off with the Carter family and uh, Jimmy Rogers. And that just is, you can listen to that now, and it's still pretty authentic. So I've kind of got a little sub-fascination with that, <laughs> which is way off-brand for me, I have to say. Um, <laughs> but I still love it. Question three, what is the lock screen photo on your phone? It is my dogs, Charlie and Macy. Yeah. So, and my children remind me daily that it is not them. I'm boring. I don't have a photo on my lock screen. I just it's just the the, the screen itself. So. Oh wow, that that is a an old school answer. Uh, yeah, that's right. Showing my age. Yep. Mine's my kids. Um, yep. Mine is, I figure it's 16 different photos. They change oh. every hour. I figured oh, out wow. how to, That's you can cool. put little landscapes. So it's West Virginia and uh, golf scenes and just beautiful scenes. So mm -hmm. it, it changes every time I pick up my phone. And our fourth question, fourth and final, uh, what is your favorite city in the United States to visit besides the place where you live? And for our guests, I'll say besides Tennessee, because I don't want you to go on record and get in any kind of trouble. But Rhonda, where's yours? I, I really think it's New York, New York City. I love wandering around the streets and I love finding the used bookstores and the Strand bookstore. And so I would just say New York City probably. Probably mine is the wine country in California, up through Napa Valley and Sonoma Valley. We, we've really enjoyed going up, up into those areas. I don't have a favorite city, but Oregon, I've been there a few times, and I joke with my husband that if I'd found my way there in my early 20s, we, we wouldn't be here today. <laughs> <laughs> well, because of where we are this week, I'm going to say Nashville. Um, because I have so enjoyed Nashville. Ronnie, you should see the State Library um, building that we well, went I've been there. Oh, have you been there? Okay, of course you have. Of course you have. Um, Rhonda's our, our, our library tourist. Um, but uh, this is just a very visitable city. I drove in uh, from West Virginia to Nashville. Not that hard. 
a little bit of that long Tennessee, um, but it is, uh, this city is got such an energy and thriving and it's just been really fun. So I'm gonna totally be um, a, a suck up and say Nashville for today. <laughs> um, I do wish I was there with all of you, and um, but it was great visiting with you online and seeing you again, Jeff. Um, and so that's a wrap of this episode of Lady Justice, Women of the Court. And thanks again to Tennessee Supreme Court Justice, Jeff. Uh, Bivens and Anne Louise, and Director of Access to Justice and Strategic Development for the Administrative Office of Tennessee Courts. We hope everyone listening has enjoyed hearing about the Tennessee Justice Bus as much as we have enjoyed talking about it today. We will make sure we share some links and pictures so that you can learn more about it. And I think that Beth and I are going to heavily look into whether we can get buses in our own states or we just need to have the um, Walker Wood bus uh, and, and take it on the road and with the refrigerator though. But in the meantime, um, we will be back um, with another episode and please you know, follow us on social media or subscribe to Lady Justice, Women of the Court. And thank you again for your time and thank you, Tennessee, for being such great host today of the podcast. Thank you for having us.